1: The Houndsman XP Podcast Network is powered by Cajun Lights. All of your lighting needs for hunting can be taken care of at Cajun Lights. They have three models of cap lights. I'm going to run through them real quick. You've got the Rogaroo, which is their high-end light. If you're a competition hunter and you got to find that coon up in a tree and it's all riding on finding that coon, you'll want the Rogaroo on your head. Next is the Bayou. That's a pretty standard light, but it's got packed with features. It's got multiple colors, it's got walking lights, it's got the red, the green, the amber, it's all built in right into that light. And then you have one of my personal favorites, the Micro Gator. The Micro Gator is an ultra lightweight cap light. It's got all the features of a white light, red, green, and amber. I've used this light for everything from finding bear tracks early in the morning, to coon hunting at night, to working on plumbing in the house changing tires on the side of the road my truck doesn't leave the driveway without a cajun light in it and that light is the micro gator every cajun light is durable made from the highest quality components and it is backed by cajun's top rated customer service check out cajun lights you can go to our website at houndsmanxp.com go to our sponsors page hit that link it'll take you right to cajun lights check them out They got a lot of stuff to offer over at Cajun Lights.
0: You know, we all have that one special dog hanging out on the porch. He's just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. All these things you like coming together to make one superb dog. That was exactly what we had in mind when we made this show. Welcome to All Mixed Up. Chad Reynolds, what is going on, buddy? Uh, Seeds,
2: a whole bunch of seeds and tractor stuff in between bear season. You know, Uh, my dog's piles are all chewed to pieces. So uh, it's time to put the seeds in the ground. Um, What are you planting? um, Right now, Trudy Kaylee and then. In about another two weeks it'll be sorghum
0: sedan. What is triticale to our non-agricultural listeners?
2: Um It's uh kind of like a like a wheat. It's a type of wheat slash rye, you know? It just the, the all the wheat farmers around me, all the wheat, winter wheat farmers around me don't really like it because if uh it gets in theirs at all. It lowers their, you know, their, their quality, you know, and yes. messes with their, their seed count. <laughs> so they, they hate me. Um, As long as I don't plant rye or, or let the napweed get too, too bad. It's, it's all fine. But right now it's just kind of like a, uh, like a bad wheat, you know, forage cows can eat it. And that's what I use it for game birds and cow feed. So
0: when you, when you're hanging out with your friend, say you guys just went to a salad bar and you guys are hanging out and you notice your friend has something in his teeth. Do you say something? Are you one of those guys or do you just let always, him- Always. every time you got I, something I right here on your time. forehead right, right is that here? right yep you is got it? like a debris
2: oh, you got it yep is that right there you <laughs> go it was like a piece of paper stuck to your forehead dude <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah it might be the little plastic fiberglass things from the bags but there you go yeah he's got yeah. feed bag debris on him as chad reynolds is out there getting it getting down <laughs> you know what I mean? that or some of my fruit snacks Oh, ju- juicy burst. Healthy, healthy. That's right. The we all know anxious. here at Hound- Houndsman XP that Chad Reynolds is um an absolute health nut with his diet. <laughs> so, Yes, his big gulp, his juicy burst, and his python livers. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you and go. his boar hogs.
2: <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And I'm trying to track down the, the, the fella that used to have all the tricks that I learned um, how to cook. The uh, boar hogs, like top of the line, um, tracking him down. I think he'd be open to doing a, a podcast with us.
0: I would and, love that.
2: Uh, I'd love breaking to down one. how.
0: I want to eat that? one. I want to eat the rankest, dirtiest, most sucio, disgusting boar hog we can find. I do. I really
2: do. He could. He'll do it. His little machine, man. He puts them all in there, and they, they're the meat's coming off when they, when it comes out, and he slaps it on this giant stainless steel table, and it, it's like a bunch of wolves just attack it, you know, and like portion it all out and big, the big pieces over there and quarter this and that. And a lot of times the ladies are all helping out too. So they'll come up and take the, you know, the the bigger portions we get off and split them up into helpings for everybody else. But in the beginning, it's just, everybody washes their hands up to their elbows, cleans out their fingernails really, really good. So your hands are spotless and then it's dive in. It's Yeah. It's like a bunch of piranhas just going at it with this giant 300 pound, 400 pound hog.
0: Sorry, yeah, Danny Butts, it, but I'm in, brother. Let's go eat
2: one. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, like, hopefully hopefully, we'll have him lined up here pretty soon to to break down how to do it. And then we can can't
0: do it, too. Well, speaking of big, nasty boar hogs, why don't you tell us about this month's episode all mixed up, brother? I'm excited about it.
2: Ned Makem let's see. He's a guy from Australia. Um, when I first met him, I really didn't uh, personally, you know, didn't know too much about him. I had just gotten out of the military a little bit and was getting back into hunting. And uh, he came over from Australia to do a big hunt, um, and just touched in a bunch of different places, and um, it, uh, it was it was pretty cool um, because he had his way of hunting that we'll we'll talk about in depth here later. Um, but I was a, a yag terrier guy at that point, you know, and he had never dealt with a little wild rascals, you know, and um, we we went out and happened to get into a sounder and. Like all my little pigs, I mean all my little dogs each caught like a, a little shoat. So like <laughs> I think I had four at the time and I think we caught like four or five like thirty pound pigs, you know. <laughs> so it kinda it kinda made him raise his eyebrows like, Oh, this is so nice, you know. <laughs> um but uh it happens that time when you run the little dogs you know they just they they you know they they want to grab something if they can't grab the something, ones, they 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 can. grab something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well they'll go for the big ones if they see them you know they, sure, they, sure. Not like they're trying to go small but if they get dusted and come and then run up behind the little ones that's that's what they get anyway we caught those and then we caught a few raccoons in the ditch and had a bunch of fun and you know i got to share my style of hunting with them and uh it was it was a lot of fun and then um then found out where he came from. I didn't even know who he was at that point. I just was like, "Hi, I'm Chad." He was like, "Good night, mate." You know, <laughs> and it it threw me for a loop, and then <laughs> and then and then learned to like him. He's he's an awesome guy, awesome mm-hmm. guy, very knowledgeable. Shared a bunch of stuff with me for, with hog hunting, you know, and uh, uh, learned about the way they do things over there. And it was just really cool. Um, but anyway, so now he's got, like I said, a school. Um, for hog hunting over there, he trains hunters. He's wrote a book, make a method. It's got some cool fun facts in there, you know, um, all kinds of different, uh, applications about how to get an, you know, an obedient hunting dog. Cause that's something that both me and him agree on, you know, like, oh. You show me a, a, a hyper obedient hog dog and I'll show you a hog dog that can't find any pigs, you know, like they have <laughs> to be able to act independently, you know. So there's functioning obedience without it getting in the way. You know, you have some attention heal with your dog. It's Yeah, it's not it's not focused on the, the work.
0: Exactly. So, so anyway, think, that, yeah. that was my introduction to Ned. Yeah, you know? I thought he was really cool. And I'm going to make a quick announcement. You guys listening to this, there is already an episode on the on the Patreon page with mister Makem Me and Chad went on a marathon with him. We covered so many topics. There's no way we were going to be able to fill it all in one episode of All Mixed Up. So the Patreon page, you guys, there's already awesome content there from this talk with me and Chad and mister Makem, but also next week there will be as well. And it's all good, but I didn't want this episode to be three hours long. So uh, we chopped it up and that's exactly what the Patreon page is for. We've done that with other guests. There was just too much cool stuff. We couldn't let them go so go check it out you guys on the patreon page uh much much more with mr macum is there and and a lot of all of it has to do with hunting but we cover a lot of stuff like wild bulls and uh yeah Yeah. yeah, (laughs) snakes and and just all kinds of crazy stuff in australia and just cool stuff about australia in general he's really knowledgeable with the culture there and the aboriginal people culture hunting with them there's there's a lot of cool stuff there. So I just really wanted to let everyone know that um we're gonna cut into Mr. Makem's talk, but there's almost an hour and a half ahead of this talk that you're gonna hear on the All Mixed Up episode. So go check it out, you guys. Um Yeah. So but Chad, you've been a, uh, you've been clutch on finding badass guests lately, dude.
2: <laughs> I, I we got a few more ideas too. Got a few more <laughs> ideas too. You know, there's like there's so many out there, you know? It's mainly just finding people that want to talk and then can talk and I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. I'm just learning it. So this is, this is new to me, you know,
0: Um, but when you hire an actual famous person like Chad Reynolds, other famous people come out of the woodwork, you know (laughs) what I mean? (laughs) So yeah, it's been awesome. That has been a, this has been a, you've been a great help for uh, bringing in cool guests and I really appreciate it, buddy. So um, that's all I got to add for this pre-roll. This is a nice good long talk with Mr. Makem covering a variety of topics in this episode. So uh, there's something you need to add, brother, before we roll into it. This would be a good time.
2: Nah, let's get it. Let's get right into it. Okay, and I pulled you off topic there just so I could get you back on. I, I wanted to know yeah.
3: make sure everybody knew how they could do it. But the reason I went for bailers is, is because they allow me time to get there and back up the dog. So if I'm going to put a dog on on a, a big rank pig, I, I can't be 15 minutes getting there. You know, like a lot can happen in the first minute, let alone 15 minutes. Um. <laughs> not the least of which is just overheating. They can overheat very quickly. Um, so I I had to overcome the, the, you know, I'm a macho guy and I'm just going to tangle with these pigs, you know. Whatever happens, happens, man, you know. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, I was sort of caught up in that. I'm a bit competitive and, you know, a little bit physical. So that's how I used to do stuff. But you get um, age is a great... Is a sobering thing, and it's 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 challenging if you're a certain type of man to go gracefully into it. Um, so I used to be able to jump a fence. Then I had to put my hand on the top of a fence, like a barbed wire fence. You know, I used to be able to jump them. Um, and then I used to be able i jump them by putting my hand on a post and vault over it. And in my forties, I realized I couldn't do that anymore because I misjudged it, and I end up hung at shorts on and i caught the inside of a right thigh on the top barbed wire and i was hung upside down in this fence by wow <laughs>
2: <laughs> are there any pictures took... of this ned any, any pictures no, of video no, I,
3: like, no you're saying no. that
0: ned almost became a bar hog just yeah like yeah that. <laughs> yeah because
3: anything in that area is unwelcome in the main there's only a few <laughs> things that any that are okay in that area
0: i'm glad <laughs> and, you're still a rank old boar hog yes oh yeah i'm getting rank
3: <laughs> but but i had to well, i couldn't climb back up i couldn't get myself back up so i had to bounce and tear it and that that took some will because <laughs> it was unpleasant in the extreme and i anyway so uh, Jen is many things, and one of them is a registered nurse who's working in emergency. So I'd got home and just said, "Have a look at this." She's going, like, "Oh, what the hell is this?" You know. So that's when I learned about Opsite stuff, which is a um, new way of dealing with wounds, which keeps them moist. It's like the second skin stuff. You just slap it straight on instead of bandaging. Anyway, that's a whole other story. She's very good. She's as good as a as a vet to me for vetting me. Um <laughs> and I've become reasonably handy with the dogs. But so you you have to go through this thing where you go, you know, right, I can't jump fences anymore. So now I get on my, on my guts and crawl through the holes, you know, where the pigs go. Um and young blokes go over the fences and they'll you know, they find that funny, but I'm saying, Yeah, well we'll see if you're still here when you're sixty three, mate, you know. See what uh-huh. you're doing then. <laughs> but anyway, so the, the the having bailing dogs for me has had to be uh a, has a, it was a real mental shift. Now I've got, I've got two. I've got another dog called Ghost from from Tonks. It's a beauty. Um, Cliffy, the wonder dog, the rescue dog. He went to my son, and then my son's smarter than me, as you'd hope your sons would be. Um, and he went right. I'm going to get into this bailing dog stuff because, and he found a he got a uh, a female Kelpie from a cattle place because they're often harder um you don't want them too soft you know
2: and let me i'm sorry let me jump in real quick just so the, the listeners the kelpie is a like an australian collie right this is you know a, well, a stock dog or
3: yeah it's a stock dog um and it's it's bred from so i think kelpie is a scottish word and it was bred from some scottish stock and as a whole and kelpie was the name of the of the first one that um you know they they from which they started the line and and they're lean, um, they're, they're um like border collies uh, are an extraordinarily good work dog and uh, some guys here use use them for finding pigs and baling pigs,
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, but kelpies are shorter haired they're more made for you know open long distance droving um, in hot country. Uh, they are smart. You can, you know, just about teach them to drive. They're they're very smart dogs, and some of them, like Cliffy, are just fascinated by pigs to the exclusion of everything else. Won't work. Just want to look at pigs. Right. and So farmers right. hate them. Pig hunters love them. If farmers knew the value of those dogs, they'd be breeding them all the time. So. Um, so he then sourced one from a from a cattle place because it you know it just took the punt that it might might work and she is a machine. He's absolutely picking big boars. Um, she will give a bore a nip as he's running away to make him sit down. Mm-hmm. And wait. Mm-hmm. Um, we think Cliffy might too but he's actually seen Tori, her name is. Do it so then we bred Tori and Cliffy. Uh, and they produce some lovely pups. One of them at seven months now, a, a little bitch, is finding and going nose to nose with great big ranked pigs and we will nip them, you know, to keep them in one spot. She's the standout. And what we do then is go, because we get feedback, you, you pick who they go to. It's not just anyone on, they're not just retail sales. You're just picking who they go to. So the feedback's come back and um, good friend of mine, another guy I trust, he's watching her. One of his mates has this bitch and he's just come back and said, no, this is the one. This thing's ridiculous, you know. You know, she's zeroing in on these pigs. She's fine and she's way ahead of everything else. Uh, So that's where the breeding will go. We'll follow her. Mm -hmm. Um, The others are working, but she's the freak. So then you try and – what we do is we try to breed freak to freak and see how many freaks you come out of that, you know. Uh, right. And Then we just keep following the freaks, and then it's oh a miracle. They all seem to do the same thing. Yeah. And but anyway, that's as much as I know about breeding. Yeah, and just to elaborate on that, because
2: the traditionally the Australian style of catching these is with you know either one or two out type dogs that just go find it, catch it, hold it, and the the so bailing dogs yeah. as you guys call them or bay dogs as we know them back here in the states is
3: that's something relatively new to the, the yeah, style. I, over yeah, there? I, It's new to me and it's absolutely growing um, in the pig world. Some people have always used them because that was just the style they liked or that is what was done in their area. Remembering that Australia is a big place with few people. Yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting about that. A lot of the cultural things are isolated. So Mm -hmm. habits develop or this is the way you do it. Or, you know, people are always looking for good dogs and we always just say to them, just... Talk to the people who are hunting in your area, because the dogs that are, if they've been hunting for twenty or thirty years, they're, they're going to have dogs that work in your area. You know, you, yes, it's good to experiment, but um, you know, be careful of thinking you're going to have the, you know, the next big thing that's going to come in, or be careful of marketing hype. You know, because like it, I'm fond of saying, you can't pick the toughest guy in the pub. You know, you don't know until shit starts to get going. So the, the guy, the big, the big giant guy with tats might get knocked out first go by the jockey sitting in the corner. He might be the one. You can't pick dogs based on their physique, you know. You've got to, oh, yeah. you've got to see yeah, the work man. and you've got to see if you can see their parents work and then you can predict what they're going to do. But a lot of people, as you know, go, oh, look at that bloke. G. You know, he'd be dangerous because he's big and got tats. But I'm always, because my father wasn't a big guy with tats and geez, I saw him stack some blokes, you know. Yeah. Uh, he was a welterweight and and if it got going, you just got out of the way because here we go. <laughs> you know, there's a whole lot of stories about that. But um, I learned very early on not to judge books by their cover. And that I know that'll insult all the book cover designers out there, but <laughs> for that. I, I'm not trying to be anti-bookist. Um, and that's, they... that's
2: something that I see with Americans. <laughs> I mean, just to talk about us too, uh, I find it with a lot of the Cur Dog, the Bay Dog guys, they'll have a litter. Um, oh, let's say I have Catahoula's or Cur Dog, Black Mountain mm-hmm. Curse, But But in my personal experience, I've seen it more with Catahoula's where they'll have a litter and there'll be a dog in there that is very socially dominant, just possessive of the food bowl, the water bowl, mm-hmm. the best place to sleep, the stick they find in the backyard mm. just very socially dominant socially aggressive and i think a lot of folks will take that and they equate that to hardness on game and yeah, yeah, i am yeah, i could things. not stress hard enough that social dominance it doesn't mean the inverse it doesn't mean the same thing it doesn't mean it is absolutely nothing to do with hardness on game
3: nothing at all Oh again. yeah yeah no and and as with people like the the strongest willed person person isn't the coolest kid at school you know you don't know until someone's tested but then so, they they breed you... that over and over oh, yeah, and over course. again
2: and now now a lot of our curs you know not not all of them again everybody calm down mm. out there but we're seeing it more now <laughs> than before we're seeing it more now there than before that you know these cur dogs are getting very very aggressive dog aggressive you mm. can't It used to be a day you could have like a shoebox, And if you had a big enough crowbar, you could sit 10 or 15 in there, you know? And as long as you could get out of the driveway, they'd make it to the field, you know? And now you put two of them in a a stock trailer and they're at each other's throats. And we never had this dog aggression before. And I don't think it's all the handlers. It's the genetics. And people are putting Mm. emphasis on social hardness. So, I mean, I just wanted to give, you know, a personal example of some of the things you're saying. Oh, yeah.
3: I absolutely agree with that. Um, uh, the, the guy that I got this line of dogs from, he said you can't see what's in their chest. Um, he, that's test and what he meant was heart. Yeah. You can't see what's in their chest. You don't you find that out in the field. Mm. Um, and so he was he was hard, he was a heart man and ruthless about breeding. You know, anything that showed any weakness of any description just wasn't in the breeding pool at all. Um, and his dogs are still talked about as, you know, fantastic dogs from, you know, from just decades ago. People are always chasing him. Have you got any of that blood? And out of respect for him, I've stopped saying that I've got any of his blood because it's, um, I don't want to be seen to be trying to market on that. Because I don't really care if I never sell a dog. I I just want dogs. I I can use. I want dogs Mm -hmm. in our family. Mm I've got grandkids now. I've got six grandkids, um, two boys and four girls. One of them might have the pig hunting gene. Who knows? And I want them to be able to go, oh, these are the dogs that, you know, my grandfather and my father or my uncle, um, you know, yes. worked on yes. it and, and they're good for that reason. And I want them to grow up in that culture of, yeah, now Fluffy's lovely, but Fluffy's not a hunting dog. We don't breed from Fluffy, you yeah.
1: know,
3: yeah. Um, for this reason. Um, yeah, you know, because like all horses can run fast, but only some horses are going to win the the $2 million race and they might only win by half a nose. So some of that is training. Most of it's genetics.
0: I agree. You know I, mean? I agree. Let me, let me ask you something. I'm new to the whole pig scene, right? So I'm, mm. I'm I was very excited to be a part of this show. I want to ask you because I'm listening and I'm, I'm, I'm going to put this all together, but I want to, I want to get right to it. Tell me about your team right now. It sounded like you just got into Baylors. And so I kind of wanted I wasn't sure if you're using big powerful sighthound types or if you were, so it sounds like break down your current team to us all and give us a view of how you're hunting
3: them. Okay. So I've got um, Baz and ghost, which are both herding dog types. And I've got John who's uh, the son of Cliffy and Tori. So he's a Kelpie. Um, so those three John John's just barking at pigs from the buggy and running around like an idiot he's sort <laughs> of a, um, he's an, the equivalent of an early teens boy going wow you know whereas his, some of his siblings are into it you know yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so he's just running around I'm just allowing him to do that whatever he does he does you know um, so I've got those those ones I've also got um, Alan who's uh, what we call a make dog and that's uh, he's a hairy. Um, looks like you'd imagine an English wolfhound. English, uh, sorry, an Irish wolfhound. English bull terrier would look like. He's a bit thick, bit athletic. Um, mm. Ton of guts, absolutely ton of guts, and can find like crazy. Um, then I've got a ring in uh, um, called Robbie, and he's what's a, a ring in. A, um, not one of our breed. I grabbed him from a bloke because I was down to Alan. Okay. I'd had a few disasters during the year. Um I've had Me too. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've had a couple of dogs killed and whatnot. And it was um, so we were down to him, and I thought I cannot risk because Alan's got very good genetics in our world, and I thought I cannot risk losing him by putting too much pressure on him to grab the pig that the others have found. Um So I've got this ring in that's just unknown breeding. I just like the look of him, and I thought, and I spoke to the guy, um, and I just said, will he grab a big pig? And he said, yeah. And I said, will he grab a bad pig? He said, yeah. I said, all right. I just I trusted the guy, and so far so good. But he's a big, athletic sort of a dog. That's well big for me. uh, long curly tail, like a stag type, so he looks. Mm. See, I always look at that long, long, twisted, turned up tail and go, "Ooh, pace! You know, good chance he'll have pace. Whatever he looks like, he's going to have pace." Um, is it speed? Is that pace? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to be able to cover the ground. Okay. Um, okay. And so he's been good. He his job is essentially to back up Alan. But so I, I poke around in my buggy. I've got a little Polaris. Um, and I have... Um,
0: the only way to hunt.
3: Yeah. That's a big well,
0: fan, it, man. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: I got a tremendous deal from a mate of mine on this Polaris and then I've done stuff to it, um, you know, all the full underbody stuff. And I've put on um, solenoid quick releases. So the sort of the solenoid, the little switch that'll open your, your boot. Got the your same exact stuff. setup. Yeah. So yeah. I've got four of them. Um, I've got my buttons on the front, and so my hard dogs are clipped up to that. The, the sheep dogs just roam because they're not going to get into any trouble or overheat. They just do whatever they do. Um, so mostly now, I will let the sheep dogs. I'm just using the term sheep dogs because that's the easiest descriptor. Yeah. Um, I let them. They just range out, have a bit of a look around. They'll definitely go on scent. Sometimes they'll go on spec. They'll have a speculative, have a look. You know, mm-hmm. or if I've gone to spots where we've pulled out good pigs before, they'll just go in on on spec and go, yeah, there might be one here. Sometimes it's not. And they're all carrying, you know, the Garmin collars, so I'm, I'm tracking them on the screen on the buggy, and you can tell often what's going on just by the by their behaviour on the screen. Um, so there's things like uh, that I call a Christmas tree, uh, or or uh, cutting circles. Um, so cutting circles is they're just going around an area. I'm just going to write, be something in there. Um, and sometimes that indicates a good pig. They're going around, they're sort of sussy. out here. I don't want to actually bump into it. And then, you know, then they'll, they'll start barking. Well, the Christmas tree is that tracks really wide at the base. Um, and then it gets narrower. I go, right, oh, okay. that's, that's going to be a narrow head. That's going to point to where that pig is. Um, so I'll just start going if I see those sort of things because I'm just assuming it's going to get going. What I'm trying to do is to minimise the the chance of the pig getting too far and into crap country. Like I, There's a lot of blackberries here, and I I absolutely hate crawling into a blackberry to get a pig. I hate it. I've always hated it. But you've got to do what you've got to do, you know. So mm-hmm. in you go. Yeah. If I can keep them out of the blackberries, then I'm very happy. Um so I'm trying to get things down to the, you know, 15-second sort of increments, you know, like, so if that dog's, if I'm on on my way to where that pig is, um, that's going to save a certain amount of time in which the pig might go, wait a minute, I can work out these things. I'm just going to rush them and go. And I want to get my harder dogs closer there so that they're not having to work in the heat. So, like, the heat is what will hurt a lot of um, working dogs in Australia. And I'm sure it's the same elsewhere. Um, and then there's the contact with the pig. The closer they are to the front end of a pig, the you know, exponentially increased chance that they're going to get hurt. So I want that time minimized now. So I'm hunting like the sort of hunting I used to laugh at, you know. But I'm finding <laughs> that oh, I used to think, oh, "What's wrong with these boys? They got no guts, you know? Why, why are they doing doing it this way?" And I just now I feel a bit stupid because. I mean, it's a really efficient way to hunt. Um,
0: the- it's funny how you you were talking about age changing your perspective. And, yeah. you know, I hunt with a lot of guys that are in their 70s, you know, yeah. and, the, and so I kind of started up there with them. So I hope I skipped a lot of the decades of me being a silly oh, guy. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you kind of got like a bay dog lead in catch speed dog, though. That's like a big powerful yeah. speed catch dog. Which is yeah, cool. um, I like that.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, because that, that we caught all the slow, stupid pigs a long time ago. Like the, you get them first. Like um, the boars here. Now, I used to be able to run down a ball pig. I, you know, I was I was a good middle. Or well, wasn't good by national standards, but I was a competent middle distance runner. So I could, and I, um, my position when I played football was the not the tough position. It was the fast position. You know, get the ball and try and score. Oh, it wasn't tough at all. Um, but the uh, so I used to be able to just. We, that was actually my job. If we were a group of us and we were hunting, and then some broke from the mob, my job was just to, to run them down. And I'd keep running, and I'd be upright, of course. And the dogs—it was easier for the dogs to see me instead of trying to scent the pigs. So I, sometimes a dog would run past me and catch it. But there is. I think even now, if I was young, I wouldn't wouldn't even come close to, to catching up to a boar here, because they've just been harassed for sort of all my time. There's just been an exponential again growth in pig hunters, and they're just into them. And people, um, people like Ian Collie, who was the first guy to take me pig hunting, he was a real student um, of breeding, and he had a good mentor in a guy called Doug Mummery. Who was a much older guy? And he had um he had some excellent base crosses, you know, like he might have had an English mastiff bull terrier or something like that. And he'd use he was a stud dog, or um he might have a um, you know, a deer hound, fox, Foxhound, hound, or something like that. And then he was he would mix and match because he liked to hunt deer with his dogs, but he'd also breed these pig dogs. Um and Ian Colley was the first person still alive, but he's, he's a couple of years older than me and uh, retired now from pig chasing and work. He's a, he takes wildlife photos, so he's still hunting, if you know what I mean. But hes um, he was the first person I ever heard talk about big boar selection because he was getting it and he 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 believed it was coming through the deer hound. Okay. So as okay. you get deer hound into your, into your line, they'll start picking the big one. Um, and it was more complex than that, but that was the base I got out of it. So I started to look at deerhounds then, and um, and yeah, you know, there's deerhound in mine a long way back. But um, you know genetics don't go away. So you know we've still got Neanderthal body genes in us. There's about two yeah. percent in, in of our genes in Neanderthal. Chad so has more than me away.
0: for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: he's got that. He's got that head. Um, (laughs) um, you might have some of the female ones (laughs) said
0: does this beard mean nothing to you man
3: they can be pasted on mate this is an airbrush brother (laughs) yeah (laughs) but um well yeah I'm on Chad's side, so I'm just gonna have a swing.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'm the guy who likes speed dogs over here. I'm on yeah. your team.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. I haven't been in your house yet though. So <laughs> <laughs> um uh but anyway, so I can't even remember what I was up to, but yeah, I wanted to pay you know particular respect to Ian Collie. He he knew a lot, he still knows more about pigs and dog breeding than um anyone I've ever met, including and and myself, you know. So he was an early student and he just bred some... People are still chasing his line of dogs. And you know, I had a message the other day, you know, someone saying, you know who breeds collie dogs? Not collie like as in sheep dogs, but he and collie dogs. And I, I didn't know, but I'm trying to find out. Because people will claim, oh, I've got this line of dogs and they might have had one that came from that breeder or was said to come from that breeder and then they'll call it their line. The guys get really sensitive about... People claiming their legacy or producing a shit dog and having their name attached to it, of course. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so it is very much like he used to use some bailing dogs, just really mixed breed things that he had one called Fruit Bat, Uh, and it was a. I feel
0: like I could name a bunch of my dogs Fruit Bat. They look like yeah,
3: (laughs) yeah. Well, that's (laughs) right. When he has a puppy, he looked like a fruit bat. I love that. um, (laughs) uh, Great dog. Absolutely great dog. Never grabbed a pig, as far as I'm aware in its life. But could find them, the find big boys when they were found. The other dogs would get there. Fruit bat would just fly and find the next one. So you could just go looping up a gully, and there would be just good pigs all the way, and fruit bat beyond all them. Fruit bat didn't get hurt. Um, you know, he was just a light built sort of a dog, and that made me start to think. But I, I cannot overstate how much my ego was interfering with my education you know, because I wanted that contest. I wanted that test of of myself, you know, um, and the purest way I could think of that was you have hard dogs and you get there and you back them up. But age does change you um, and the, bi- the biggest thing I've learned is because I do some hunter education that people come out with me for 24 hours and one of the biggest things that I'm saying to people is just calm down. Just relax, you know. The pig hasn't gone to Mars. We've missed him here, but he's still here in the landscape somewhere. Sometimes they might run, you know, three kilometers. They might run five kilometers. They might run 100 meters and just squat. So just be calm. We start again, you know. Whereas in the past, I'd be, ah, Jesus Christ, you know, we've lost him. You know, he's gone. You know. But then, um, you know, you do learn that, they, yeah, that. They don't go to Mars. They're still there somewhere, you know. And if you see if you see good tracks, the pig hasn't levitated away. Mm-hmm. The pig that made those good tracks he's still he still exists there somewhere. You know, and it is just a matter of putting together the science.
2: And on that note, I'm going to force you to talk about it here. I know, you know, I I'm going to twist your arm. I think what you got going on is really cool. And I'd like you to break it down for us a little bit. I know I know that you have a you know a school over there, of sorts, where you train, you know, pig dogs and then hunters, um, yep. as well, and then you've written a book, um, the Making Method. Um, I'd, I'd kind of like you to just break down, like, what is it exactly, you know, just a brief overview about what you do in your school, and then is there something you like to share with us about your method, you know, about you know some of your theories and fundamentals? Yeah, I,
3: I guess the the simplest the, the simplest thing I try to say to people is. Don't apply human reactions to a dog. Don't think it's behaving like a human. It doesn't think that it's a human. It thinks you're a dog and you're either a strong dog or a weak dog and they can love you all the same. But don't say, oh, look, he's doing this and, you know, because Fluffy's like this and Fluffy's like that. Fluffy isn't like that. Fluffy is a large predator that we've bred to behave in certain ways Um, and you have to tap into that. So I think that the, the saying here is that, oh, you've just got to put pigs in front of them and they'll learn. And more pigs equals better better learning. Um, so I get a dog for a month and I send them here. I've had them from um, from Perth, which is about as far away as you can get. So that's like Los Angeles to New York. So dogs sent over, um, you know, to come and train with me for a month. And then people drove over to pick it up and rah, rah, rah and from <laughs> um, you know, say from New York to uh, El Paso or somewhere. I've had dogs that sort of distance too, coming from the north down to me. So people people trust what I'm doing. But what I say to them is the first, they come from a month, first week, the dog's just shell-shocked because I'm just, it's boot camp. It's just, no, don't do this, don't do that. Do this, do that. Um, here's your food. Don't eat it. Yes, eat it. Right, all that sort of <laughs> stuff. So they're a bit shell-shocked. Second week, they start to resist. You know, they'll test the boundaries. Uh, third week, they start to see the pattern of, oh, good things come from this. And the fourth week, they hit their straps. They, they start to really show what they can do. Some dogs, that varies slightly depending on the dog and its experience and things like that, but it follows that basic trait. But rather than more pigs, I'd say to people, most of the good behavior of a pig dog, if it's bred to do that job, um, will come from discipline within the yard. So. I'm a great advocate of long lead training. Um, so that when I speak, if I've got a long enough lead on the dog, I can communicate physically with the dog to give my words a physical value. Um, so I'm trying to get psychological control of the dog, and I do that by getting physical control of the dog first. Mm. So <laughs> they just drag when they first get here, they just drag a long lead around. And I might say, you know, fond kind of saying fluffy, I have had a fluffy. Here, yeah, by the way, there was a big problem. <laughs> you know, Fluffy here, Fluffy might look at me and go, maybe, maybe not. But if I've got the lead in my hand, at the moment it goes, yeah, maybe, because you can tell from the way they look, you a bang on the lead, and I'm, mm. that's my first, I'm not mucking around here. No, you're coming in. It's not a bad thing. It's just there is no choice. So, um, or if it's dragging the lead and just keeps going, I'll just stand on the lead and go, you know, just make a sound because dogs can't speak English anyway, so they, they get everything from body language and tone. That's so, right. Um, a lot of the time, yeah, a lot of the yep. time, going, mm. you know, which would have been what my mother would have done when I was playing up as a child, just because they were. <laughs> you got, they, mum and dad, dad never hit us. Um, mum would hit, uh, but I think that was a deal they made. You know, dad, I think he wanted to hit us, but he, um, <laughs> but, but. Uh, you knew mum was serious and if she went, what, you know, like that, you just knew, oh, I know what the next step is. And if dad made any sort of sound that wasn't pleasant, it would stop immediately, you know, because something's going to go on here. Um, And I want the dogs to have that same sort of thing. I'm not saying that's the way to raise children or anything like that. I'm not, you know, I'm just going, That's you learn those things and I learnt the sounds because those Mm -hmm. sounds instantly went into my head, right, don't muck about up but right, stop now be you know different when you're a teenager because you're going, yeah, what are you going to do? And you know, rah, rah rah. So you get dogs that you're training that are teenagers and they've already learned that they can just test the boundaries. So you've got to be much quicker on that lead. And what I'm trying to do is that um I'm also trying to catch them doing the right thing. So I can go, yes, yes. You know, just you know, so mm. I'm giving them their food and they're going, I'm going to eat the food. And I'll just step over it. Or I'll tap them on the nose and go, ah, uh, uh, like a dog might growl. And they'll all look at me like, what's this thing? I've never, you know, and I might try again. Uh, I'm making these stupid sounds. I don't know what that's going to come across like. In the, you know, on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the can hear. growl. It will change it with a yeah, little but, honky uh, noise. Yeah, but, <laughs> and it'll be like a
2: little clown, an horn. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that would be
3: funny. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I can't get that out of my mind. Then. <laughs> so you get but dogs. You do, and, and do and you, something. And, I, and, I, and i'm standing over them and i'm doing things like that so they go okay then i can go yes you know and then that's a different tone and they'll, they'll work out pretty quickly that that's because actually my dogs can what they're watching me now they're up in the backyard in their cages and they're seeing me do the yes face and they're all right. jumped up like oh, it must be time to come out because that's generally a good thing so catching them doing the right thing is as much as catching them doing the wrong thing um That way you double your, uh, you speed up your training and you double your 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 training potential in any given situation. So you know you're driving along in a uh, you know in the buggy or you're walking and one of the dogs sees a sheep and looks at the sheep. They're allowed to look at stuff, um, but they can't yoke up. And what I mean by yoke up is like it's the difference if you walk into a into a pub or a bar. And some guy looks at you. If he's just looking at you to see if you're his friend that's come in, or you just who you are, the door creaked open and they look around at you. There's a difference in the way he looks at you and the guy who's half full of grog and just going, "Who's this idiot? I might give him a punch Mm -hmm. in the mouth." There's a different look, and you know that look when you walk in. You just, oh, here we go, I'll You know, I'll be on the balls of my feet. I'm ready. You know, so dogs know that. that look from you. Also, they will give you that, they will demonstrate that look if they're interested in a sheep or a kangaroo. They'll stiffen up, they'll, you know, they move forward. So at that moment, it's just, it can just be, ah, oh, and the dog goes, oh, right, negative, negative. And you can blow that sheep out of their head, you know, because they're just going negative, something's associated with that is wrong. Um, or if they look at a pig and the, and the dog is unsure, you can go, yes, yes, yes. Because you can see that they're trying, what am I supposed to do? Because you can overtrain a dog to the point where they will not make a decision. And pig dogs have to make I've seen decisions. That, yeah. Yeah. They have to make decisions out a kilometer away from you, out of sight. You know, what do I do here? They have to be able to go, well, this is what I do. Um, you know, rather than, oh, I better run back and check. And I've seen I've had trainee dogs here that would run back to check with you. And you've got to go, instead of going,
2: box, you don't get it. Because that can freak
3: a dog out, you've got to go, yes, <laughs> yes, you know, go and make contact with that yeah. thing. It's now running away. <laughs> and that's the hardest thing because I'm I'm impatient and I'm ill-tempered by nature. Um, but you have to soften all of that. Tonks, you know, Greg Tonkinson's been good for that. He's he's helped me because he's a uh, a properly trained trainer of animals, and that's where the elephant thing came from. He said, you can't be ill-tempered Ill- with a, with a, an elephant. i will just kill
1: you. So <laughs> you, have to, you
3: have to find another way. And you can't force an elephant to do anything. You can't actually force a dog to do anything. Um, so just you nurture just have to, the instincts
0: are there. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. You, you're saying yes to this instinct, no to that instinct. You try to breed them so that they've got more of the good instinct and less of the other instinct. But um, most of my training is based on long lead work so that you can communicate with the dog in any given circumstance. Because there's a distance at which a dog gives up. And I've found it's about 15 to 20 metres, so about 15 to 20 yards. If you can physically control them at that distance, and you're consistent about it. There is a point at which that may as well be two hundred metres, but you can control them at that same distance. So I can't. I haven't done a scientific study. I can't cite the research or anything like that. I've, that's what I've found from my experience. So that's why I like um, I like the long lead. Um, e collars are the same if they're used correctly, because you're giving you that distance at which you can communicate with a dog. Um, and people using an e-collar, because you can't use them legally where I live in New South Wales, so you have to have something else. So, um, and then I enter your, your
2: long line there. You yeah. Know? That's yeah. your so that's... remote way of communicating. What I'm hearing that I really like here, and I think I think it's something that I, I, I really agree with entirely. You get a lot of people that dogs can do this or that or, or house dogs that can you know understand how to stay out of the way but legitimately they can tell their look at their dog and say no and the dog will sit there and like wag its tail and you can sit there and praise it and sometimes it'll like just raise its eyebrows as it walks by you know so you're saying it's super important that you have a means of communication just just like playing the game like uh hot and cold i guess is what we would say like warmer warmer as you're trying to find this And then colder, 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 you know, wrong, 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 you know, and then, but the dog can interpret that,
3: you know, it doesn't have to be complex. No, no, the simpler, the better. Um, You don't want to introduce a whole lot of things that the dog has to calculate. It's a really simple business. Find pig, stop pig, you know, if necessary, grab pig, let go of pig when I say, Um, if necessary, run on, get the next pig while I deal with this one. So there's a very simple process. Don't chase anything else. Don't react to anything else. Don't smell anything else out. Um, some of that is management in the field. But um, and it's it's an absolute credit to the genius of dogs is that even a, a very, very ordinary trainer can get pig dogs to do that because the reward is so great. The biological fulfilment for a pig dog is massive. It's more than any bit of cooked chicken you can give them and it's more than the pats yeah. on the head. They're, they're, they're a large predator yeah. uh, and they, they get to make contact with an animal. Um, you know, all, all the throwing of sticks and all of that is all prey based. The predatory you know, behaviours. Yeah. Yes. And we modify it and go, oh, isn't that cute? He loves to bring the stick back. No, he's bringing back the animal that you know that's in his head. He's having that mm-hmm. little fantasy. These dogs don't live a fantasy life. They live a massive life, a massive dog life. They live with a yeah. team of dogs, you know. Um they they, they get to hunt, they get express to express their the instincts, you know. Yeah, they're, they're a dog. They're not they're not your fur baby. Oh god, how I hate fur baby. We <laughs> all
0: hate that. Yeah. And that's the thing I tell everyone is that hound hunting, like dogs, these dogs, your your fur baby wishes it was one of these dogs. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. They live for it. When I fire up my Polaris to get going, it doesn't matter mm. if I'm just gonna go take your trash to the dumpster. I yeah. fire up that Polaris, they go it's insane. Yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. And so yeah, I, I, I just, I love and that. So other other signals like that. If I drop the tailgate on the trailer, that the Polaris goes on. All oh, my dogs just set off because they're going. It's on. It's on you know <laughs> i so only I got about
0: nice. 15 minutes left ned so i want to make sure i yeah. get everything i need out of you brother i think we're gonna to have to wrap this up pretty soon but yep. i do want to ask you this is a simple question and i ask a lot of people i want to ask you when when you're so you're you're leading in and you, are you are you dumping these hype your catch dogs from the vehicle to go out to the bay or are you no, kind no, of sneaking I'll, in I'll, with them
3: i'll walk in to see what it is because ah, okay. you can't always see them. Um, yeah, so course. I want to know Um, because my part is to get there quickly and get hold of it. Gotcha. You yep. Know? yep. Right. Um. So, uh, so I'm walking in. I'm, I made little quick release leads and things like that. So I can walk in with the dog I'm going to use. I still do use those dogs loose on the vehicle, but mostly I'm walking them in now. I'll walk in. Uh. It's a nightmare for the dogs because they still have to behave and they're just <laughs> they're just vibrating they're yep they're they pumped. know what it is you know this is new for them being being controlled like that normally it's just they hear that and they go and, and not I'll only that in. those dogs are finders
2: in their own right too like oh yeah they know, a lot of they times in the state size we got strict bay bay dogs and yeah. strict catch dogs and your catch dogs are fine dogs in their own right it's just now that you're utilizing bay dogs from time to time you know yeah. to kind of set well, the it's, table
3: it's, right it's it's, it's I've changed. The dogs haven't changed. They're still okay. the same breed and the same line. I've changed because I I'm too slow yeah. to get there. You know. And but I mean, I, you're
0: adapting, and and, and that's cool yeah. that you you can already bring up a new type. And it's so crazy too. I've heard this before from Australian guys, fans of the show, talking about using sheep dogs as bay dogs, and they're like they're really good at it because baying oh, yeah. is kind of like herding, and so yeah, yeah. Oh,
3: and so and some of them just have that a genetic predisposition. There's something about pigs um that does it for them that it, it's just they want pigs and so we're always looking for those ones like they can pop up anywhere i've met so some people trying, like that too yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> i like it's, those
0: it's, kinds of people
3: <laughs> it's, it's um so yeah i just i walk in with the dog um when i'm happy that the dog can see what it is um Uh, I'm also going, you know, if it's in a blackberry bush, I would reserve the right to go, no, I'm calling the sheepdogs out. I'm not going into -hmm. that bush because a blackberry Mm -hmm. bush might be 500 meters long. Uh, Yeah. You know, there's a couple on one of the stations that I go on that are 500 meters, 700 meters long. They're They're really bad in the
0: Pacific Northwest too. And they are horrible. When you said blackberry, my skin crawled, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so I was going to ask you too, what's the biggest boar you've ever caught? And you can say in kilos, I'll translate for okay. us Americans. What's the biggest okay. boar
3: you've ever caught? I, I caught two in central Queensland. Central Queensland, is the, the state is above us, and that's just a part of Queensland, central Queensland. For some reason, they're massive there, and guys get lots of big ones. I got what I reckon was two brothers um, a week apart on a off a sorghum crop there um the first one dressed 175 kilos and the second one dressed 170 kilos so that's about 400 odd pounds or 300 and something pounds yeah um, so three, three, three,
0: 385 400 pounds that's a huge pig oh yeah <laughs> yeah, fantastic. yeah oh. massive
3: um and i couldn't get my hand all the way round uh his leg you know to try and uh to try and hold him and he was just pulling me along like a bullock would like a steer um wow i just and i was just shit scared you know
0: this is a boar not a bar
3: right this is a this is a boar hog so that is
0: huge
3: yeah Yeah. massive and um i don't talk about it a lot because i you know at that time i'm not carrying a camera i took a photo of the head of one when i got it home and things like that but um yeah credibility is everything in the pig hunting world and and I don't want to get into an argument with people saying, "Oh, there's no way you did that." I know I was there, you know. But I'm by myself most of the time. But that's that's what we caught. And the next weekend, I went out to the same place and off the same crop, but on a, off a through a different fence, so I got you know the other one. I never got a big one like that again in my life. The biggest then, oh, you know, 110 kilos, 115 kilos, that sort of size. That's a mm-hmm. big bore here. Um, it's a big is, boar anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's two hundred fifty pound pig. <laughs> yeah, that's dressed. That's with the guts out. Um, they add a little bit for that, but I always because because the weighing them used to be with their guts out at the chiller. That was the measure, and now people are weighing them with the guts in and and saying, "Oh, yeah, you've got to do that because that's what the dogs dealing with." And to me, it doesn't matter. Just say wh- whether it's guts in or guts out. You know, mm-hmm. full or empty. Right. and then you then I can adjust in my head. Oh, okay, that's a but anything over 100 kilos here is a is a big bore. but central queensland um for some reason um it could it, like it's great cropping country and great cattle country and things like that but oh my god they're massive you have a lot of big ones in the northern territory too northern territory is like florida and texas put together um and there's right at the top that's where the crocodiles are and the swamps and all that sort of stuff so there's big flood plains that just never get never get hunted. There's just pigs there that are, Mm. you know, generationally untouched. Um, So eventually they get very big, but anyway, what's what's the best dog you've ever had? What was his name? And what kind of dog was he? Dave. It's the best dog I've had. He was one of ours. Um, uh, He didn't last long, but he was, uh, uh, (laughs) he was the best dog. He might be the best dog I've ever seen. Um, and oh, well he got killed by a pig, and oh, was just, I was just—I couldn't taste sweet for about six months. Everything was just, you know, uh, didn't care about it. What was he made up of? What kind of dog? Um, um, so he was one of ours. So you know, wolfhound, um, bull terrier, uh, deerhound, and you know, maybe a bit of a bit of English mastiff way back when, or a bit of. You know, something like that. But it's been a long time since there's been anything pure He's a over there. So he was just big, powerful dog. Holy smokes! Yeah, he was. He wasn't terribly big. He was about thirty kilos, thirty-two kilos. Um, so you can work that out in pounds. But he would abs. He could find. He'd find them in my yard. Like he, he could just find them anywhere. Uh, he was quick. Uh, abs- Jump fences and absolutely pick the biggest. Never, never miss. Always pick the biggest. Um, and the thing that made him was the best. The best was you could communicate with him while he was on the big boar. Call him off and point, and he would go where you pointed because there might have been a bigger one that had popped up in another Dang. gully. So I'd, <laughs> I'd run up going Dave, 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 and just start pointing, and he'd spit out that pig and go where I pointed and get that one. So I've never seen anything like that. Did
0: you get pups out of him?
3: No, no. He, oh, he,
0: what a loss. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I can see why you were devastated. That sucks.
2: They're oh, actually like really it. attractive dogs too. Well, uh, We'll need to get some pictures from you, Ned. Yes. They
3: take after their owners. They, uh, <laughs> 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 Just crawling under fences, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No fence jumping. But, uh, I mean, dogs end up reflecting your attitude to hunting. And my nature is I want to be good at things. You know, I want to be... I know I'm, there's lots of things I'm not good at. I'm, I, I, I don't know. You can't hunt for Australia and get you know a, a, a you know the shirt that says Australian representative pig hunter or something like that. But you know if you're getting better, um, and I like to get better and better, and then I like my dogs to be better and better than the dogs I used to have, and that's what I still enjoy is the is the trying to, I call it playing A grade. I don't know how you have organized your sports, but there's the top level, which would be first grade. So I like to play A grade. Um, that such is my ego. You know, I'm a bit competitive and a bit this, a bit that that's much milder now uh, because I'm, you know, everything hurts on me. So I can't be too competitive because I might put my back out.
0: That big six, seven so, boy will stomp you down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You start slapping me around.
3: Um, and there's lots of there's lots of guys that I meet who are younger than me, but they're coming off a um a better base than I had because there's lots more good information about it and they're smart enough to listen to it. Whereas I was a bit arrogant and wouldn't listen. So I was described once as a hand on the hot plate learner, you know, so if someone says that's hot, I'd put my hand on it and go, well, Yeah, well it was hot then, but is it hot now? Do it again. Right. <laughs>
1: and
3: then, ah, right. So it is hot because i proved it to myself. I didn't I was very bad at taking people's uh, word for things or instruction. I just think, yeah, that's what they do, but maybe it's different for me. Now I listen to everyone um, because everyone knows something I don't. I just don't know what what that is. So you've got to listen because you don't know what it's going to be. Um, so you know, Tonks teaches me stuff. Joe Goman, uh, he's a guy I listen to. He's the one who put me onto your. Your podcast is a good young hunter too, keen and working on his dog breeding and um, lo- loads and loads of potential into the future, you know. So I listen to him. If he's, he says, I I saw this or I found that, or, this happened, and this is what I think it might be. and Because we all talk. We get on the phone and just touch base. I caught this big pig, you know. Yeah, but he did this or the dogs did that. What do you think? Oh, it could be this, could be that. You know, what else is going on? Sometimes they're asking me. Sometimes um, they'll say something that just makes me think, "Ooh, I've never even thought of that." You know, But it's just so open-ended, and that's what I, one of the reasons I love it. And, um, at some stage, I'll give it up, I guess. Uh, no, just, you not, it, no, you won't. No, you won't. It's just, it's just not imminent. Good. Um, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> I
0: got. Uh, we only got about what eight minutes left, so I want to ask you about your book. Tell us about yep. your book, where we can find your book. And uh, I want you to rep yourself a little bit more right now.
3: Ned, you're a oh. super humble guy. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, that will cause some laughter in various circles. Um, so the <laughs> book is called The, the Make and Method and, you know, a practical guide to, you know, dog training or something like that. A practical, dog to dog psychology. practical guide to dog psychology. So what I do in that is try to explain some of the theory. They're all theories. Um and then some of the practical stuff. How do you get them to do this? How do you, you know, get them to do that? So it's an e-book. It's not a real book. It's an e-book. Um, I can send you the link if uh, even you better. Want to Easy that. to get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's cheap. Uh, but I've had good feedback from people. Will get you know one thing or ten things, whatever, out of it. But you only need to get one thing. You now it's like going to a seminar. If you get one thing, so. I've got a, uh, a web page. I'll send you the a website. I'll send you a link to that because the other thing I've got on that is uh dogs bo- boars behaving badly, which is just some video of pigs doing different things like killing. That's sheep. a great
0: name for a for a title.
3: <laughs> yeah. And then I've got um one of uh uh yeah aiming higher, which is about uh dogs doing really good stuff. Um I've got one, a video of an, uh, an American guy walking into a bay with a with a pity type loose, and it's just loose beside him until he gets right up. Clearly a bay going on, you know, it's all happening. And then he just goes, right, out and the dog twop, straight in and gets it. Dang! I Walk saw in. some of that in Texas. So that was pretty cool too. Yeah. Off, off leash walking, mm-hmm. you know, the in, insane pit bulls that cannot never be trusted, um, you know. So the story goes, and this thing is just that guy – well, clearly a good dog, but a good handler. So I've got stuff like that. I've got, um, oh, you know, a good video of, of some good Australian stuff. Of like one one thing in particular, dogs in cattle country, they're chasing this pig. They batch, one dog catches this boar. Another dog runs up, grabs the boar. Another pig comes through the fence behind them and runs past. So the second dog on, spits out the first boar, runs and catches the second pig. And there's a drone filming them. <clears throat> and so that's what I mean by this remote control stuff, like what you can get your dogs to do.
1: Dang,
0: so, that's amazing. Yeah. That's so amazing. There's other
3: stuff, other stuff like that too. Drones and thermals and things like that are really. That's what I'm trying to
0: upgrade is some drone action for sure. Yeah. I want to get some drones. Chad, do you think it's even possible for me when a hair gets up for me to just be like radio? Go get them. Or do you think that's... I'm just going to be like a baboon?
2: <laughs> I, I thought at first you were talking about the dogs. Yeah, the dogs, yes. Seth, no.
0: I,
3: no, no not, not
0: at all. I'm running with them, man.
3: <laughs> I've, I've just put a down payment on a thermal setup to go on the so buggy. Um, and it's an Australian manufacturer, and Australian design, all this sort of stuff. So I'm going, you know, buy Australian. Like we all should, we should support our own manufacturing industry. But this is the first one that's popped up that's made here that I'd trust. Um, But that's going to provide some decent footage. And I'll come back to you with some of that at some stage. And I've got another bloke I just met, he's got a thermal drone and he gave me some footage, which is on that. Yeah, Yeah. I'll, I'll send you the links to those so that you can have a look as well. And if you want to post them, post away. But I try to get back to the website semi-regularly and update stuff um but i'm terrible at it because i want to hunt but don't want to be a computer guy um
0: don't ever work for a podcast then yeah (laughs) Uh, we just want to hunt and then we got to do all this computer work too (laughs) oh yeah
1: and the
3: editing is what would get me because you'd be you'd be going through oh you said something at some stage and what was that it was about a duck and how did that fit in and well do we leave that into it you know the editing would be (laughs) would be a nightmare i imagine Well, sir, uh,
0: yeah, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on the show. Chad, you got any last words, brother? This has been a great one. We're going to be able to chop this up into two. Um, We're going to have a part one and a part two. So thank you, Ned. It's great when we have guests that we don't have to sit here and prompt along. It has been great uh, hearing about everything, man. So I appreciate that. Um, I, I love pig hunting and I just got back from a great trip where I got to see some pig hunting in a different way. Um, I've done a lot of the sighthound type pig hunting and, uh, yeah, so I loved it. So I was really excited to come and join you. And, and I want to just give a big shout out to all our Australian fans out there. You guys are the bomb. When I first started working for Hounds on XP, I brought in some Australian people that I'd been talking to about sighthound stuff. And, uh, you guys have just been a great community, super supportive. And I'm just really happy that we have a lot of fans down under. So I appreciate you guys. And Ned, thanks so much for coming on, sir. And I definitely want to talk to you again in the future. So if you have anything, Chad, brother.
2: Yeah. What I'd, I'd like to say is, you know, I always coming from the animal trainer side, side of the house. Uh, uh, hog hunting is, you know, in this country, compared to other various forms of hound hunting or, you know, pursuing games with hound type breeds is relatively new. Um, and some of the tribal knowledge, as I like to talk about it, it only goes back so far. Um, and I really think, Uh, hog hunters in the state can benefit from listening to some of the stuff folks like ned has has written down on books uh uh, ed barnes is another fantastic example who's is you know chopped up some of this information and put it in the books i i anybody pursuing a, a career or a life the lifestyle of hog hunting has massive amounts to learn from both of these gentlemen and all everyone has their own style there's there's wonderful nuggets that you can get little cherry pick things that work for your style and it just don't become stagnant you know don't don't become stagnant there, there's knowledgeable people here like ned you know that that we can we can learn
3: from so uh that that's all i'd have to share so all right well thanks very much guys i've, I've really um i've appreciated the opportunity i'll talk about pigs and dogs all day um ultimately the the final thing is that I just want everyone to respect their dogs, like give them the give them the best food, give them the best accommodation, respect the work they do because, uh, you know, if that's a, it's a massive undertaking going and confronting yeah. a poor pig.
0: You know? It is. As we say here at uh, All Mixed Up, hunt them hard and treat them like heroes. Thanks there again, man. Appreciate
3: it, brother. All right. See you later. Bye.
0: Thanks. How many times do you hound doggers catch yourself thinking about an awesome hunt you had or retelling this great story with family and friends around the dinner table and all you have to remember that moment is some terrible cell phone picture or worse, no picture at all. Well, Houndsman XP has partnered with Rough Cut Company to help solve your problem and make beautiful pieces of art to remember for all time your experiences in the field. Roughcut Company is an American owned and American made business in Wisconsin that specializes in custom, unique photo engravings on hardwood that are framed to any picture you want. They also do customizable antler dog chews and even beautiful, unique antler rings from their own red deer in Wisconsin. Roughcut Company can do pretty much anything you ask. Their customer service is second to none. Give them a look at roughcutcompany.com and when you check out, make sure you check out with HXP 10% off to get a discount on your final purchase. Check them out you guys and support people that support Houndsmen and help keep us in the field and remembering those times forever. So the thunder from down under, huh? There. <laughs> there. <laughs> isn't there a isn't there a male burlesque show called that? <laughs> I ned, I knew it. They called yeah. him the boar hog. <laughs> is that right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you yeah. guys
0: know the official name for the stink that a boar hog makes is called boar taint? Like
2: tainted meat or like are we talking anatomy?
0: The, <laughs> the smell and now i know yeah. this because you and me googled i was like i had to know guys we were talking about boar hogs me and chad were we were on the subject of pig hunting and i was like what is the boar smell what is it what caused mm-hmm. it and so when we googled it as you know chad we were there eating snow crab oh, yeah. legs oh yeah um it was that's how bougie we are <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was my first time yes. it was delicious anyway um It's called boar taint and it's a mixture of putrefying feces in their fur that they intentionally leave in there mixed with a pheromone that permeates their fat and skin tissue. So that smell, it has a name, the pheromone, I can't remember, but that smell permeates into the fat of the animal. And that's why their meat has that smell. But the majority of the smell is on the outside of their body and it's uh into their skin pores and putrefying feces so hot boar hogs hot <laughs> yeah def- definitely definitely want to wash them ahead of time <laughs> definitely give, wanna... them, and,
2: give them a bath yeah that's always that's something that we've always done you know, like you hang them up and wash them don soap wash them like whoop, scrub them down you know like get He's all genius. that god like you said the putrefying
0: feces god that just sounds horrible horrible putrefying feces ah. but why do the why do the bar hogs and the sows don't do that i guess the boars intentionally get mm. the putrefying feces on their fur and it's Smell a very strong. thin layer it helps as the as what the article said it helps accentuate that particular pheromone to make it extra pungent yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've
2: uh, w- whenever I rub it on myself, I, n- I never like to put it on too thick either. You know, like a thin layer, just a dab will do you like behind the ears, you know, and you're good to go. Yeah, uh, I think they got it figured out, just a thin layer.
0: Like but that's that, why I you know? saw so much Don Dish soap in your house. That's it. Your wife that, that's is like, Chad,
1: <laughs>
0: it's not sexy anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it ever would have been. Man. That, that. that That is pretty rough. Mm. oh um, man. well hey thank you guys for joining us here at all mixed up we freaking we value every one of you so much uh go check out these the talks more with mr make em and a lot more bonus content on the patreon page and yeah man this was a good one i had a great time as always and there's a lot of cool stuff in the pipeline for all mixed up as well as houndsman xp in general go to the patreon page for hxp happenings episode that's where me and chris and the team uh come together and talk about. Uh, stuff that's in the pipeline for on xp we got some uh really cool promotions coming up soon you guys and uh there's gonna be some fun travels in the works for all mixed up i'll let that out right now on the show but me and chad are gonna have more awesome adventures and uh we're really excited so chad take it away brother <laughs> let's uh let's hunt them hard and treat them like heroes boom we'll see y'all next month looking forward to it everybody bye